TJ and Femi who are going to speak to us. Um, and they'll just be sharing, like just having a conversation with you and just, yeah, telling you a bit about their testimony and how we can actually navigate um, through life, being Christians, but also honouring God at the same time. Um, so yeah, before they get started, I was just going to ask them a few questions um, and then I'll pray for them and then we'll get stuck in. Okay, so Femi or TJ, one of you can answer this one. Um, what is your favourite Bible verse and why is it your favourite Bible verse? Um, beautiful question. My favourite Bible verse is Psalm 1. Well, it, it changes. Does, is anyone else like that? It's like your favourite song. It just depends on the weather and that. But right now, it's Psalm 150, and it is praising with the clashing cymbals, praising with the loud clashing cymbals, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And the reason that's my favorite Bible verse is because I feel like sometimes in life I'm a bit of a loud clashing cymbal. Does anyone else relate to that? It's not exactly the most perfectly beautiful thing. But I love that God just loves me the way I make noise and the way I live and the way I express myself. God loves me like that. So that's my favorite Bible verse at the moment. Great. Thank you. And TJ, what is the best thing you've witnessed at New Day or had happened to you? Oh, um, I think the best thing. Yeah, I'll go for, for something that happened to me. It was when I was in a little huddle with my a few of my boys and we were praying and then someone came over and she just prophesied over each and every one of us. Um, and she prophesied that the guy in the green, that has green writing on his top will go on to preach. Um, and I thought it was him because he was wearing a green top. And I didn't get a prophetic word that day. And then I went back to the t tent and realised that my top was white but the writing was actually green on it. And I thought, rah, that's for me. Um, and I weren't, I weren't really on it like that. I didn't really want to talk. I didn't really want to preach. Um, in fact, I genuinely ran away from the opportunities to speak in public. And then it was a mad turn of events. A few years later, it came to pass, and that's when I started preaching. So, yeah. Amazing. So good. Yeah, you can clap that. Great. So I'm going to pray for Femi and TJ, and then we're going to get stuck in. So once we finish, if we can all say amen together, and then I'll get started. Yeah, Lord Jesus, I thank you for everyone who's in this tent today, Lord. I thank you, yeah, that they're here for a reason, Lord. I just pray that as TJ and Femi speak today, Lord, that you'll just, um, yeah, just uh, fill them with truth, Lord, and wisdom, Lord. And I pray that the words that they speak fall on good soil, Lord. And yeah, it just really um, goes into our hearts and into our minds, Lord. I pray for personal convictions as well, Lord, as they speak, Lord. I thank you, yeah, for the power of testimony, Lord. So I just, yeah, we just thank you, Lord, that you're with us, Lord. And I just pray that your Holy Spirit, um, yeah, really helps us to connect with the words that are spoken. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, Janelle. Round of applause for Janelle. How's everyone doing though? Are you guys all enjoying your new day? Give me a wave if you're enjoying new day at the moment. Yeah, beautiful. This is one of my favorite ones ever. I'm having such a wonderful time. But hands up if you're a little bit exhausted, be honest. Yeah, I'm feeling it, but the strength of Jesus Christ is going to keep us going, ain't it? Amen. 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 All right, so let me tell you the vibe for this seminar. TJ and I are just going to have a conversation about all things life and partying and all things in between. But I'm praying in Jesus' name, as we talk to each other, there's things that might resonate with you. You might want to write it down, things that you can relate to, things that maybe you can't relate to right now, but might relate to in a bit. Ooh. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, that's the, that's the vibe. But before we got into it, I just had to say, I'm TJ's older brother. Yeah, I just want to get it. Yeah, all the gasps. I just want to get it out there right now because I don't want people coming up to me later and be like, hey, yo, like, I just love the way you respect your older brother. And no, like, <laughs> I'm TJ's older brother. Yep. And as an older brother, I want to say, I am so proud of you the way that you led us all when you were preaching yesterday. Aww. I feel like I speak, I speak on behalf of a lot of the thousands of people that were with, with us out there. You really spoke into my heart and to a lot of people's heart. And I rate the way that you, you tackled a subject that's not easy. 
Do you know what I'm saying? To talk about guilt and shame in front of so many people takes a deep, deep level of humility and a deep level of listening to God. And I just rated it so much. I thought it was so wavy. And because of all the people there, you wouldn't have seen it. But people were like locked in and engaged. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for sharing with us and helping us all grow. No, say for that, man. Thank you. Wow. Yeah, but to to follow on from that, to follow on from that, you looked super Christian on the stage and that. Because I am. Yeah. But tell us about life outside of church. Tell us about your job outside of church work. Or maybe differentiate, you got some stuff going on in church. Tell us about the stuff outside of church. Yeah, so... The real TJ. The real TJ, yeah. Um, So you guys would know me, I guess, just from a stage or guys in my youth group, you know me in a church context. Um, But I am a professional musician. That's my job. Um, I had to throw the pro in there, you know what I mean? To get the respect. Um, So I'm in a band called Ezra Collective. Come on. Um... Yeah, that I'm in with my brother and there's a few of us other guys. We're like a jazz Afrobeat band. So I get the privilege of like um, going around the world, playing music, being in front of crowds um, on a guitar um, and not speaking as much. In fact, our music doesn't have any words, but it's a lot of hype. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of being in the world, if I can put it like that, because we're playing at festivals with artists that you know, backstage with artists that you know, um, on stage with people that are trying to throw parties and do life in that way. So we are in the thick of it, uh, in the trenches, as we would say. So that is my life. That's what I do um, in conjunction with my work inside the church. What about you? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Round back. of applause for TJ. <laughs> so you said you get to travel around the world and stuff like that. Tell me some of... Th- your favorite places that you've been to. Tell me about some of your favorite experiences as a musician, as opposed to like working in church and stuff. Yeah, I think, um, so the privileges of of being a musician, going around to all these different countries, you see so many different cultures and it makes you, uh, it's hard to be closed-minded when you go around the world. Um, when you when you leave where you are and you go to a place and they do not care that you're some guy from England, they're, they're getting on with their thing. They can't speak English and all of that stuff. And that's what I like most when I go to a different country and I get humbled. Um, so for me, being in Japan was probably like, has anyone ever been? You, you been to Japan? Someone bought him with a t-shirt. You, you want to go? Someone it. bought him with a t-shirt with a Japan flag on it. Yeah, who's? Can you put your hand up, please? Where's that? Are they left already? Right. I'm sure I saw it. I saw someone. Is it over there? Someone's got the coolest T-shirt in this whole room. I won't embarrass yeah, you and make saw, you stand I saw, up. I saw someone put their, their hand yeah. up quickly. Yeah, I see. But um, yeah, Japan for me was like the best country, man. Because you get there and you realize like, oh, snap. Like We thought London was like the place and the best. And then you go to Tokyo and it's like, we are so far behind. Like, um, And then, yeah, so it's got all the lights and all the you enjoying life. And it's a crazy place at nighttime. But then I guess all, like the food there as well, like anyone here, like foodies, like that, yeah. I can't lie to you, like, man, you know about ramen? Yeah. <laughs> ramen, like, I thought it was just, it's not a pot noodle thing, it's not, it's different, it's different. So yeah, I think Japan for me, that's some of my favourite things, just going around the world, being in different cultures, being with different people. Incredible, incredible. Well, it sounds like a lot of fun yeah. that you get to get up to. Tell us, tell us about yourself, man. So no, yeah. I am actually the same as TJ in that I am also a musician as a job. Yeah, so I get I get the privilege to to play in a band with TJ Ezra Collective as well, but then I also get to play in some other bands. I'm in Gorillas. Anyone know Gorillas? Ooh, yeah. I'm, you know the the black cartoon guy, the fat drummer. I'm the real version. I'm just a lot slimmer than him, yeah. So I get to travel with gorillas, and then I also played the drums with, with Georgia Smith for the last five years. And, and a bunch of other people in between. And so like TJ, I get to travel the world playing music. I'm actually currently on tour right now, but God parted the Red Sea, and I got four days off to come to New Day. Can everyone say Amen. 
so yeah, that's that's my life. That's what I get to get up to. And when I'm not doing that, I get to to help run Jubilee Youth. So yeah, but then getting on to kind of like the reason we're talking and why we're being here, I'm just going to ask you straight up, as a musician that gets to travel the world, go to festivals, you must be able to go to lots of rocking parties, right? Yes. You must, it must, do you know what I mean? I've seen it on like MTV and that, it looks like a lot of fun. MTV, do you got, no one knows what MTV is. Is that not a thing anymore? Sorry, let me start that again. I see it all the time on like TikTok and that and like... Yeah. Every time I watch TikTok and watching it all the time, because that's my vibe. But I actually wanted to ask you straight up, we might as well just get to the point. Yeah. Can you be a real Christian and party hard? Yes. Can you? Yes. Um, let, me, let, me, let me try and explain that. Um, it de- first of all, it depends what your definition of party hard is. Um, so, uh, you <laughs> yeah. So I think um, when I was young, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Nigerian. I grew up in a Nigerian household. Yeah, there's a lot of us. There's a lot of us everywhere, everywhere in the world. There's a lot of us. Um, what tribe? Yoruba. Yeah, come on. Um, <laughs> yeah, but growing up in that kind of a household, um, it, there was a stigma around partying. There was a stigma around a lot of things. And then being a Christian on top of that, there was a stigma as well. Like you can't be, it wasn't so much that, uh, they wouldn't even ex- explain why. It's just like, you don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, we don't go there, we don't do that, etc., etc. Well, what do you think happened when I went to uni? Yeah. We, we did that. And I went out there. And so for me, there was one way to do partying because I was introduced to it all by people who are not in the faith, right? And so you go to these clubs and you do all of these things and you start acting in a way that you know is contrary to what the scriptures say. And for me, that was the only way to party. And if that's the way that, you know, we can get into specifics later, but if that's the way that you're trying to party, then as a Christian, can you do the things that I was doing back in first year and all of that? Absolutely not. But is there a different way to go out to these places and be a light in these dark places? Oh, there certainly, certainly, certainly is. So to answer your question, like, the kind of Christian party hard? Most certainly. But it's that definition that we need to get to the bottom of today of, like, what does it actually mean to be salt and light in these places. You know what I'm saying? A hundred percent. And I love that you said we have to define partying hard because I think the world would say something which sounds a little bit like it's either fun or boring. And the fun is in the direction of sin and the boring is in the direction of Christian. But I would say that my Bible tells me very differently that fun and Christian is actually the realest type of fun you can have. Do you hear what I'm saying? But then there's a lot of Christians that might approach it and basically think to themselves, to have fun, it means I can't be anywhere near the world. But I feel like God has called us to be joyful and happy. And part of being joyful and happy is having fun. But he also called us to be in the world, but not of the world. So there must be a way of being Christian in a party. Do you hear what I'm saying? 100%. And i got a story... Go for it. I guess. Um, like, so I went to Brunel University. Um, a couple of us, yeah. Brew what? Yeah, come on. Um, so I went to Brunel, and it was it was it was dope. Like I said to you, like I got introduced to partying and the lifestyle there. Um, but the way that we used to do it is in one particular way, right? You would you would go to pre drinks first, right? So we'd go to these events. Like someone would open up their house, and we'd go there and we'd drink. And I would drink more than I knew. I should have drunk, right? And then we'll go to the parties and I'm a little bit whatever and we're dancing. We're having a good, what I thought was a good time. In fact, it was a good time. We're having a good time to all this music. We're trying to like chat to girls and all of that kind of stuff. We'll get home in a little bit of a state and then we'll do it again the next day. That was kind of like my vibe at uni. I thought that's the way that you party, right? And then in second year, I, um, I had these housemates. Um, so there was like six of us in a house together. And we were all Christians, I don't know, all of us were Christians, but I used to go out to the clubs with my boy Chigo, and there was a girl called Temi and a girl called Mola that just wouldn't come out. Like, they just wouldn't come out. And I just thought that was them. They're also Nigerians. I was just like, yeah, it's just, you know, culture or whatever. And then one day, Temi came out to a party with us. And I was thinking, oh, no, this is going to be like auntie in the party. She's going to come and she's going to like, she's going to be vexed in the corner and just be like screwing everyone and trying to evangelize to people. It's going to be really embarrassing. And, and she came to the party and she walked on the dance floor. She's all smiling, saying hi to everyone. Everyone's looking like, why is she saying hi to me? 
She gets to the middle of the dance floor, she starts skanking. She just starts dancing and dancing and dancing to the point, and she can dance, but she was smiling, she was joyful, she was doing it. She hadn't had a drop, she didn't drink. She didn't have a drop of alcohol, nothing. By the end of the night, people were in a circle around her, like trying to copy her dance moves. She was getting everyone into the center with her, dance with other people. Like the most joyful, joyful person in that whole party. The person, what we would say is she was setting pace. Like that's what she was at the party. She was doing the most at the party. She was having the best time. She got home and she woke up without a hangover. And I was like, my whole paradigm for partying that night, like I remember it that clear as day, my whole paradigm for partying shifted. Because I thought when it came to doing parties and all of that, I thought there was a one particular way that you had to do it. And then I went there with this girl and she was a Christian. And what she did was she exuded the fruits of the spirit in a place that was otherwise dark. So that kind of was the beginning of a shift for me and realizing that that idea of partying doesn't have to come with all these other things that Christians may have otherwise, well, sorry, non-Christians otherwise think is imperative to partying. So... That's my experience, I guess, with that. No, that's that's beautiful. I've I've had lots of similar experiences, and it's it's so painful when you see na- a narrative that basically suggests that a party without being drunk, taking drugs, or hooking up with other girls or guys means it's not fun and it's not boring. But I just feel like that's a lie of the enemy that so many people are bought into, and that actually true fun and p- joy and happy partying can happen with the absence of sin. And then I guess the question really is one that I've been asking myself for my whole life is essentially, we know what we're meant to do. The question really and truly is, is how do you do it? But when I was praying about this seminar and praying about speaking to all of you, God put one of those verses on your heart where you're like, ah, God, really? You want want me to say that to everyone? But it's a verse in Revolu- Revolution, Revelations, chapter <laughs> <laughs> Revelation chapter four, and it's that verse that essentially says, "Either you're hot or you're cold. If you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out." You ever heard that verse? And I felt like God saying to me, "You need to tell them. Some of you just need to make a decision. Are you about Jesus Christ, or are you not?" You can't be kind of on it. You can't be about Jesus Christ for New Day and then not on it for Carnival. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yep. Because Jesus doesn't work like that. He's not really cool with second best. Do you know what I mean? I'm an Arsenal fan and it's like... (laughs) I find it really hilarious as an Arsenal fan when you hear, hear the managers and the players talk and you can hear it when they speak. If Arsenal was to finish second in the league this year, they would throw parties and be joyful and be happy because they'd be like, we're cool with second best. But if you listen to the way that the Man City players talk, they don't talk like that. They're only happy with winning the entire thing. Jesus Christ is more Man City than he is Arsenal. Do you hear what I'm saying? He doesn't play second place and I'm cool with it. It's like I'm number one or I'm number nothing. Do you hear what I'm saying? And I feel like a lot of us, I needed to make, I made this decision when I was, I made a, this commitment to God when I was around your age, a teenager, similar kind of vibes, New Day vibes, gave my life to Christ properly. But then there was a moment when I got a bit older where it's like, I'm saved and I know that, cool. But am I going to live for Christ? Am I going to be about it every second of the day? And some of you need to make that decision. Are you going to be about it or not? If you're not, none of this applies. Just party how you want to. Because that's the world. But if you're going to make the decision and be like, do you know what, I want to be with Jesus Christ, then that redefines the entire thing. Do you hear what I'm saying? Now you're the salt. Now you're the light. And then that answers the question. So how do you party? How do you party and still be a Christian? And the first point I would say really is you have to put Jesus Christ first in your life. Before you get to the party, this is a moment in your bedroom. Do you hear what I'm saying? Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God. You've got to put him first in your life. What does putting God first in your life look like? It looks like your prayer life. Do you hear what I'm saying? Putting God first in the way that you pray. Not let me fix the task. Oh, snap, it's not working. Let me pray. Nah, that's a second best mentality. It's let me pray and then look at the task. 
Do you hear what I'm saying? It's about putting God first in your worship. It's not about I will go to church and worship if I feel like it. It's like even though everything around me is crumbling, that's the decision I'm going to make. And it's about putting God first in your, your Bible reading. Is your Bible reading going to be a situation where you only do it when you're about to revise and take an exam because you want to holy up yourself so you pass? Or are you going to be about your Bible the entire year, whether you feel like it or not? Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. When you put God first, then suddenly the party changes. The entire room looks a little bit different. Does that make sense, family? Is what I'm saying making sense? And that, to me, is like the first step of like, how do you party and be a Christian? And the answer to that really is putting God first before you get to the party. Yeah, 100%, man. 100%. And I think I think as youngsters, we got this wrong. Like, there was a few of us that, yeah, we came New Day and we would say that we loved God. and um, But we were, we were still growing. And one of the things that I got wrong was, I guess, how to relate to the Bible in conjunction to questions like these. Like, do any of you ever go to the Bible trying to find an answer on, like, you know, should Christians party? You're going to the Bible and trying to find a text that, say, that says comprehensively, Christians should or should not party. You try and find that in the Bible. Or Christians should or shouldn't do this. Or Christians should or shouldn't smoke weed, right? Uh, weed wasn't around back then. It's not going to give you that answer in the Bible. That's not what, The Bible isn't a comprehensive list of do's and don'ts. But what the Bible is, is it's the living word of God that as you read it, it's the only book that will change you from the inside. So when it comes to living a life where Christ is first, the reason that that's an answer, that's not a cop-out answer, that is the answer. Because what used to happen is we used to look for definitive answers in this book that are telling us, yes, do this, don't do that. And we start asking questions like, so where's the line? Where's the line when it comes to, you know, when it comes to sexual activity with people? Where's the, where's the line when it comes to drugs? Where's the line when it comes to partying? And we were asking that question so that we could go just up to the line and live there. We were people that weren't rooted in this book. We weren't using this book in the way that it was meant to be read. Because what happens if you start to read this book and ingest it and do what it says, which is meditate on it day and night and actually be a disciple of Jesus Christ, is that book starts to change your heart. And the question doesn't, it isn't, where's the line so I can meet it? It's more, okay, Lord, what did you say? Is, it, is, is any of that area gray? Because I don't even want to go anywhere near it. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? That's what being a disciple is. And so when it comes to actually being, like Femi asked a very, like that great question, like, is Christ first in your life? Because... Let me, you, you guys know the Sermon on the Mount, right? You guys know that? Wicked. Guys outside, are we okay? Wicked. Amazing. Yeah, there's a lot of people. Um, so the Sermon on the Mount is when Jesus gives his most extensive sermon, right? And he goes through essentially what are the ethics of the kingdom of God, yeah? Mm-hmm. And just before, there's a bit that people miss. It's at the start, right at the start, before he starts speaking. It says that Jesus went up the mountain, right? And... His disciples came to him. And when he sat down, he began to speak to them. And he said, blessed is blessed are those who, etc. And then he gets into the Sermon on the Mount, right? So the bit that I'm bringing out there is, who was he speaking to in the Sermon on the Mount? Someone shout it out. The disciples. The disciples, right? So he goes through all these laws and ethics of the kingdom where it's like, oh, you say you shouldn't commit adultery, but anyone who lusts after a woman has already committed adultery. Like, what? And he goes through anger, he goes through all of these things, these ethics of the kingdom. But he's speaking to the disciples. So the first question that you really need to be asking yourself before we start talking about the ethics of this thing are, am I a disciple? Am Mm -hmm. I someone who has decided that I'm going to follow Jesus with everything? If the answer to that is yes, then the questions are phrased a little bit different. You see what I'm saying? 100%. Yeah, that's, I guess, that's what you're saying. when When I got to that point and it was like, I'm going to put Jesus first. I'm going to be a disciple. What did drinking look for, look like for me? I, I love drinking, fam. Like, I still drink, of course. But there's a line that maybe some of my non-Christian friends don't understand. But there's one that I get. Because they know I know deep down in my heart, there's a deeper mission to the whole reason that I'm in this party in the first place. And that mission is not going to be completed if I'm drunk. Yeah. Do you hear what I'm saying? What does drugs look like in my life? I'm in, a, you know, I'm in bands and whatever, whatever. Let's be honest, I see it every single day. What does it actually look like to me, though? I know that God has called me to be sober-minded, so I'm not going to touch it. Does that mean that I've got to smash up the room if I see it? No, it doesn't. I can be in it, but I'm not of it. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's what partying like a Christian actually looks like. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, 
what 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 does what does like moving to girls or moving to guys or dancing with girls or dancing with guys what does what does that look like in my life of course i'm like everyone else attracted to women or whatever attracted to the blah 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 blah. but at the end of the day god has called me for a deeper mission i can't do that if i'm dancing with a girl in that way that's not completing the mission do you hear what i'm saying that's a step backwards suddenly i look like i'm in the world and that's cool until you speak to me and then I sound like I'm not in the world. I look like a hypocrite now. Mm-hmm. And that's a painful place to evangelize from. When people look at you and be like, ah, you're not really one of them though. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. It's fine if they assume it. And then one day they actually talk to you. They're like, oh yeah, you are slightly different in the dance. Mm-hmm. Do you hear what I'm saying? Does that mean I'm going to go carnival on the 27th of August? Not that I'm counting down the days and having a good time. I'm going I'm to be there on the front line. But it's going to be a different kind of carnival because I'm a disciple. Come Do you on. hear what I'm saying? I'm yeah. cut from a different cloth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so then I guess the next part of that is, you know, the, answer, the question really we're talking about, can you party hard as a Christian? What's the answer, people? Yeah, but you need to be a disciple, put God first. And then I guess it's like, how do you actually put God first? Because... Some of us, it feels like a battle every single day. Is it a battle every single day for you? Or do you now wake up and you're like God mode immediately? Or do you have to fight every day? What's the vibes? Yeah, I think with putting God first, I think that's quite a daunting. It sounds great and it sounds easy, right? Like, oh, we just put God first and and then you wake up. Like, I remember having these moments where I'd wake up and like before anything had happened, I'm scrolling my head off on Instagram. Um, I'm listening to all this kind of music. I'm getting myself in just like the completely wrong place before we get in. That's that's one side of it, which maybe I'll touch on a little bit later. But when it comes to putting God first for me now, I'm talking about like the big things in life. Let's start there, okay? When I wake up in the morning, what is my purpose? Like, what am I waking up? When I wake up in the morning, what is my... First of all, I thank God that I was even woken up in the morning. And all of you should too as well. Like... We got woken up for a purpose. There's a kingdom agenda at hand. So I'm trying to, every single day when I wake up, it's like, God, what is it that you're trying to do in me or through me today? By the end of this day, let me get closer to you and let me at least get someone else closer to you. Like that for me, every single day when I wake up, that's what I'm trying to get in my head, right? And now remember, I'm speaking to the disciples, right? So if you're a disciple, that's really got to be the thing that's on your agenda. It's got to be in your mind. That putting God first, it really starts at the start of the day because um, who here likes fitness and gym and all of that kind of stuff, yeah? We've got people like that. Okay. You'll find something out, yeah? When you start gymming in the morning, it's a bit harder to eat junk food later in the day, yeah? I go to the gym in the morning. I try and, you know, <laughs> you don't agree. You, for me, I go there... I work out hard. I start my day correctly. I'm talking about at the start of the day. I do everything properly. I try and get my body in order and then I start my day. At least my breakfast, right? I'm not going to go McDonald's. Because for me, it's like, you know, I've started my day in this way. We've won that first battle. I've tried to do things in the right way, in the right order. Why would I ruin it with something else? My mind is already on these things of actually trying to be in a good place. My mind is in the right place, right? And so when it comes to putting Christ first, I really emphasize that morning. That when you wake up, what are you doing? Are you, are you like what I used to be like and literally scrolling your head off and getting in arguments and replying? There's certain messages, like I said yesterday, there's certain messages you have to air till later in the day because you need to get yourself in order up there. And by the re- throughout the rest of the day, I believe that Christ starts to seep in, starts to seep in, starts to seep in. Like, there's a prayer that I would pray. Good grace. Yeah, there's a prayer that I would pray before leaving the house. I will say, Lord, give me an opportunity to speak your gospel today, right? You know what that prayer does? First of all, I believe God answers it. Second of all, it makes you aware of opportunities. Yeah. You hear what I'm saying? If, when, I leave, when I leave the house saying, Lord, give me an opportunity to preach your gospel. Now, when I go to the club later at night, that prayer of, oh, God, would you give me an opportunity to be and speak your gospel today? That's on the forefront. I'm not trying to move girl. I'm trying to actually speak to people in those situations. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's like a kind of broad one. But do you have anything like more specific in terms of like how to put Jesus first in your life? I think to answer that, how to put Jesus first in your life, I'd split it up into three main components. The first one I touched on earlier, which is your personal walk with Jesus Christ. You're praying your worship, and your Bible reading. 
those three things are imperative. Do you hear what I'm saying? They would be like the first three things that I would say, your personal walk. But then if you read the Bible, the language is all about the body of Christ, where two or three are gathered. It is a collective thing. Do you hear what I'm saying? You have to take your journey with your Christian family seriously. That will help you put God first. Church is serious, family. Do you hear what I'm saying? Whether you think your church is incredible or you think it's dry and you wish you went to a different one, that's irrelevant. Your church is important because it's the place that God has called you to build with. Do you hear what I'm saying, family? Your small groups. Who here has small groups that they can attend? All right, cool. If you're a youth leader in here, I'm going to say to you straight up, prioritize small groups. It will do wonders in your youth group deeper than you could even imagine. And it's tough and it's hard and it's super long, but you need to fight for it. Because once you get into those small group moments and you can talk on a deeper level, it changes everything. You have to prioritize and fight for your Christian walk as a family. You see your best friend that's a Christian? That's a different type of energy to your best mate that's not a Christian. Do you hear what I'm saying? Your closest friend that's a Christian is the one that God really needs you to pray with. Your closest one that's not a Christian is the one God really needs you to pray for. Slight difference, big difference. Do you hear what I'm saying? You've got to put, take God seriously in your personal walk with God. You've got to take God seriously in your family. And then you've got to look after your calling. I keep saying the word mission. Our mission is parties. Our mission is festivals. Our mission is backstage. That's what God called us to. That's the environment God called us to. I can't evangelize in a hospital because if I'm there, I'm probably going to be needing the help. But some of you are going to be doctors and nurses. Do you know what I'm saying? I can't evangelize in a school because I can't just walk into one or so I'll get arrested. But some of you are going to be teachers, head teachers, head mistresses. Do you hear what I'm saying? Some of you are going to work in, in, in supermarkets. Some of you are going to be mechanics. I can't evangelize to people that need help with their cars or whatever because if they need help with their car, I can't help them. I can pray for the car, but apart from that, I can't do anything else. But some of you can fix their car and then fix their life after. Do you hear what I'm saying, family? So it's like you put God first in your personal walk with God, you take your family serious, and then you take your calling serious, and the mission that God has called you to, suddenly, fam, that party looks totally different, because it's like, I've prayed myself ready for this party, and I've got a family that I'm accountable for when I go to this party, and then I'm on mission in this party. God sent me here to talk to that person in this shubs, so I'm not going to try and catch a wine with her, because she needs to know who Jesus Christ is, and that is how you party hard as a Christian. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Yeah. All right, we've got, we got a little bit of time left. And um, we wanted to answer any questions that anyone might have by way of parties, by way of how we actually handle different situations and, yeah, anything like that. So how do we want to do this? Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay then. So the question was you play for the you play for Gorillas, the band, and they make secular music and you're a Christian. How does that work? And I'll take you back to my very favorite verse in the Bible at the moment. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. They can be doing whatever they're doing on stage, but I'm worshiping. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because God gave me these arms and legs to smack that drum kit to worship him. <laughs> and so some of the lyrics for Gorillaz, I listen to them and I'm like, yeah, that doesn't glorify God at all. There was one moment, I'll tell you about it, slightly funny story. But um, Gorillaz were about to do like a live stream concert thing in the pandemic. And I was really excited and blah, blah, blah. And I told my mom and I told my nan, you know, watch the live stream. It's going to be great. And I was backstage getting ready. And I walked out on set. And I didn't know this was going to happen. And they decided to decorate the entire stage with demons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was, and, and then there was an upside down cross. And I looked at it and I said, yeah. <laughs> so the first thing I did was make sure nan doesn't watch it. And then the second thing I did was think, actually, do you know, my God's a lot bigger than all of this stuff. And 
I played my heart out in front of all the demons and that. But I was worshipping on that stage and I was worshipping the true and living God. Do you hear what I'm saying? And that is how I navigate being a secular artist, but being a Christian. Because believe it or not, those people that write those lyrics that don't glorify God, they need to be saved as well. And they're not going to be saved if I avoid them. So yeah, that's the answer. Yeah. Amazing. Anyone else just stick your hand up? Yes. Yeah, I think I'll go. So the question was, in those situations, either they can cha- you can change them or there's a possibility that they can change you. So how do you stop them changing you happening? Um, and I'll go back to a point Femi made earlier about small groups, about getting in and amongst the saints. Now, um, the Bible says it talks about being rooted and being filled in him, right? But then also is the church. We're really talking about the church here. And... I guess the way that you stop that from happening is but you know what roots are, right? Roots in trees. They go down into... What, what, what are roots for? Sucking the water in. Uh, that was a dumb question because roots do a lot of things, all right? In this context, roots are to stop the trees from blowing over, okay? Right? So the wind comes and the trees don't topple over because roots go down into the ground. Now, when it comes to being rooted, you can be rooted in the things that Femi said earlier, be rooted in the scripture because, like I said, it doesn't, it's not just information coming into your head. It changes you from the inside. Be rooted in your prayer life because prayer works. Pray for strength. Pray for boldness. Pray for all of these things. It, it's not just a thing that you do to be a Christian. It really works. It's you communion with God. And I'm testament to that prayer changes things. And then also, there's the worship side of things. Before you're, before you're doing anything, make sure that your heart is in that place where you're worshipping. Worship is, you know, it's putting God first. That's really what worship is. You do that. And then this last one that people always miss off, fellowship, right? It's a super Christian word, but it's something that we have to do. We have to be in and amongst the saints. Because, you see, going out as a lone, what's it, a lone, lone, lone soldier? So- lone wolf. Lone wolf. Lone Ranger, that's the one I was looking for. Right, cool. Yeah, Going out as a Lone Ranger, if anyone says to you that they're a Christian, but they don't believe that they need to be in a church, and they feel like, yeah, I'm a Christian and I'm doing this thing on my own, it doesn't, it doesn't exist. Like, it, literally, like, Adam's made and Eve is made as a helper, right? Paul goes out with Silas. Paul goes out with Barnabas. When Jesus sends out people to go and evangelize, he sends them in twos. And he says, I'm sending you out of sheep amongst wolves. Like, as Christians, we cannot do this thing alone. I'm so blessed that I have a brother that is a literal brother that is in the same field as me, right? And we speak about, we were just praying earlier. We are praying about this meeting. I've got other people, like, that I work with that, that they're in similar fields. And we pray over each other. We pray for each other. And then we go out into the mission field. Don't be fooled into thinking that you can go into this place and be un, un, untapped, like unchanged. Because greater people than you and I have, you know, think about it. David was called a man after God's own heart and he still fell to Bathsheba, right? We need to have strong people around us that are able to say, hey, I think you need to get on your knees and pray a little bit more. I think you need to, we need to pray over you before you go into this place. We need to pray over you before you go on that stage. And I think for me, that's the way that you stop yourself being changed and you actually end up being salt and being light in these dark places. Yeah. Cool. Any other questions? Yeah, go, go for it. Yeah, I think, just correct me if I'm wrong. So the question is kind of like, how do you stand your ground and be firm in the faith if someone that you're in really close proximity with isn't on that wavelength and isn't on that path? All right, that's a a very, very, very good question. And before I answer it, I'm going to answer it, but I'm going to let you know that it's not easy to do this. It's not difficult, but this Bible doesn't promise anything is going to be easy. Do you hear what I'm saying? But essentially... It's the same thing we've been saying. It's just a harder version of it. You need to pray a lot harder. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
when you've got someone really close to you that's influencing you in a type of way, you need to pray for them and pray for yourself and your own strength. You also need to worship and break down these barriers with your Bible. But then also, you need to have faith. You have to have a deep level of faith that if God has called for this person to be close to you in your heart and in your life, when you say to them, this is the line, if God has called you to be close with them, they're not just going to cut you off for that. And if you say to someone, this is the line, and the person cuts you off, then maybe God just had a plan for them that doesn't involve you being that close in proximity to them. Do you hear what I'm saying? One of the most difficult situations to be in is when you are the person that is that life and that partner, if you like, for that person. And then God changes you and now you're not that person anymore. And they almost feel betrayed. But you have to understand that you're not betraying them, you're saving them. And so you just have to be very strong and you have to be very consistent and you have to have faith that when you say this is the line because Jesus said so, Jesus is behind you saying the same thing with you. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's a good question. It's a, simul- it's a situation that comes up in, at work a lot. You're in a band and you want to be one of the girls. You want to be one of the boys. I want to be one of the lads. Of course I do. But then when I say this is the line, I'm going to tell you it's never been easy But I've always said it, guys, this is what I do. Guys, this is what I don't do. I have never lost something of value when I've said this is not what I do because I've got Jesus Christ that is more valuable than anything they could give me. Do you hear what I'm saying? But just to round up and conclude with that, what I said is not easy to do. It's easier to say it than it is to do it, but you just need to pray through it. Yeah, we're good. We've got time for a couple more, I think. Yeah? Yeah, go on, bro. So when you're dating with your friends, mm-hmm. how do you make sure that when you date, you don't get carried away and drink too much? Yeah, great question. How do you make sure that if you're drinking that you don't get carried away and drink too much? Now, I personally drank too much. And so that's how I found my top level, right? I don't suggest that you guys do that. Enter everything with an air of caution. I go back to something that I said earlier. When you are a disciple, you're not asking where the line is so that you can try and meet it. You're asking what is right so you can try and stay within that boundary, right? So for some people, I genuinely believe that some people, like my housemate, I don't think she should have been drinking anything. Because when I asked her later, why don't you drink? She said, you know what? I tried it once. I didn't feel myself and I didn't like how I felt when I felt like, you know, when I, I didn't quite like how I felt. I just tried it a little bit and something within me just wasn't quite right. And so I just decided I'm not going to drink. I thought, whoa, just on that one. Okay, now I know she was a disciple, right? And there's other people where they drink a little bit and they're still themselves. They're still completely fine. They, they actually just enjoy the you know, taste of the drink or whatever it is. And they don't see it as a necessity. They're not getting hooked. There's nothing like that. And for them, it's relatively fine and it's actually okay. And nothing is that different. And they know how to stop themselves from going too far and all of that stuff. For people like that, I'm like, yeah, cool. You can, like, you can have, like the Bible says, a little wine is good. Like, for the, at one point, I know that gets taken out of context all the time. But... Like, um, but you hear what I'm saying? Like, they ha- don't be naive. There has to be absolute wisdom. And I'll say approach these things with caution. You see what I'm saying? You approach these things, not even with caution, but approach these things as a disciple. With this is my main thing. My main thing is Jesus. My main thing is putting him first. And how does that impact the way that I approach this thing? That's how, that's the mentality to go into it with. Drunkenness is not good. And biblically, it says, do not be drunk drink but do not get drunk Mm. and so when you look at that verse it's like how do i approach that with caution you don't down a bottle of rum you see what i'm saying cool i mean to to add to that question because it's a good question but and it's a question i ask myself like what happens if it's an accident when i actually when i actually think about it the times in my life that i've sinned and slipped up it wasn't an accident in the moment it was a decision before i got there when you actually really deep it, it's like, I'm going out to do this. It wasn't an accident. That's, that's almost never happened to me. Do you know what I mean? And that's why I don't accidentally get drunk when I'm with my mum. It doesn't happen by accident. <laughs> it's a decision. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so when you get back to what we've been saying about putting God first in your life, you start to make the different decision. You'll say, my decision is to go there and I'm not going to get involved on that level 
and that is how it's done. Do you hear what I'm saying? But that was that was a good question. And just just to say as well, I know that we've got a lot of people in here that are under the age of 18 years old. Hold on to these teachings and what we're saying about these things so that you're not going into, don't go into university completely blind and like, oh, what is this drink? Like, hold on to those things. But then also just remember, like, those people that are younger, there's some things that aren't going to apply to you right now. I just want to say that right from now. There's some things that aren't going to apply right now. Don't go out and say, TJ said that I can drink, but don't get drunk. You're 12, okay? (laughs) All right? Cool. Any more? That was a nice disclaimer. Yes. (laughs) Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Mm-hmm. How how do you discipline yourself how do you discipline yourself to to read your Bible, to pray and to stay on the Lord's side? How do you do that? Because sometimes we just wake up, you can't bother, you're tired. And what I would say to that is God God designed us as as creatures of habit. When we force something repeatedly 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 suddenly it becomes second nature like my dad is a real prayer warrior anyone got like prayer warrior parents we thank god for them and to me it's always mad when a situation happens and i'm with him my initial thought is let's go and get the guy and my dad's first thing is he just prays naturally he's just a pray guy he just prays says a prayer and then thinks says a prayer that didn't just come naturally he taught himself to be like that. You force yourself to go to the gym every morning for two months. On the third month, you you wake up without even realizing it and be on your way there. And the Bible works very similarly. You force yourself. I'm going to read this. This is why anyone got the Bible app? Yeah. You know, there's that streaks function that it's got. It can be unhelpful, but in some ways I rate it because that will help build in the habit of I'm just going to read one chapter do it again. One chapter. Before you know it, you wake up and it's like, I can't start my day without reading that chapter. And so it's a fight you're going to have to take on. When you leave New Day, you're going to have to take on this battle from New Day till the end of the year. You're going to have to be like, I'm praying every day. I'm reading my Bible every day. But trust me, January the 1st, you will wake up and not think about it and it will happen again. So yeah, that's, that's the answer for me. And what does happen, and it's happened to me even this year, sometimes something slips up and you lose it for a few days and you lose it for a week or something. You just have to remember that this is a God of grace that we serve and you start again and you plow through it. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'll just say, just further to that, um, I'll say it again, get around some saints, get around some people that are going to be able to read the Bible with you. You're not called to do this thing alone. I genu- I really do believe in getting with one person and say, hey, can we just read through this book in this month or read through this book this month? Like, I used to get a little bit like, like, I must read this every single day. And then I started to mix it up a little bit and just read a chapter one day and then do study with this person on that day. And then on another day, I'll be reading a, my verse of the day. And then on another day, I get my notepad and pen out. And then on Sunday, it's church. Mix it up a little bit, but make sure you have those people around you that when you're not feeling motivated, you're going to have someone that's going to be like, hey, we said we're going to read this thing today. And that, for me, was something that really helped along the way when it came to Bible reading. Yeah, man. I think... Do you know what? Do you know what I think is a good idea? Any other questions? I'll hang about afterwards and then answer them. Because I, I just want to do one thing real quickly, yeah? When I was talking about some people being hot and cold and some people being lukewarm, I felt like God put that on my heart this morning. And I feel like when I said it, it triggered some people. And you're like, you know what? I think I'm done being lukewarm. I just want to be on it now. Because it's one or the other. And I want to pray for the people that feel like that. And I wouldn't normally do something like this, but I think God is calling me to say, if that is you, you should stand up. And the reason I'm saying that is because standing up in a moment like that is such a big decision that it's like, you know what, I'm just putting Jesus first and I'm going to get on with it. And I would love to pray with you. So if any of you feel like that right now, you you might even be a Christian, but you haven't been on it in the way that you really feel like God is calling you to. Or you're not a Christian and you're deciding right now, this is actually how I want to live my life. Right now, I just want you all to stand up real quickly and we're going to pray for you. Go for it.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All of you, let's let's hold out your hands right now. And if you're near them and it's one of your bedrooms, point your hand at them. But if you're stood up, yeah, hold your hands out like you're going to receive a present because you're going to get Jesus Christ in a big way. And TJ, why don't you pray for all of these people that are stood up right now? Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for each and every person that is stood up right now. Thank you for their stories. Thank you for their lives up to this point, Lord God. And thank you that you've been with them each and every step of the way, Lord. And they've taken a bold step right now to stand up and say, you know what? I'm done with the lukewarm lifestyle. I'm done with the cold lifestyle. I actually choose to be a disciple and choose to be an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you for the security in this decision, knowing that our life is hidden with Christ in God. And that as we live lives knit closely to you, Lord God, that we will do everything that you've called us to do. That things aren't going to be easy, but you promise that you will be with us. So we go in that confidence. We go in that strength, Lord God. I pray by your Holy Spirit, Lord, because we don't have the strength. I pray in your, by your Holy Spirit that you would strengthen each and every person right now. That when they come into those scenarios and situations where people are asking them why they're not doing certain things or why they are doing certain things, that your Holy Spirit would give them what to say in those moments. That their characters would be the example of the gospel. That their characters, just by the way that they walk and the way that they talk, that people would know that there is something different about this person. That people would come to the faith people would come to know jesus christ simply because of the decisions that these guys have made today that they're going to be bold that they're going to stand up and that they're going to be counted as your sheep lord god with you as the good shepherd we choose to follow you with everything give these guys good christian friends that will get around them and sharpen them and be the kinds of people that can hold their hands up, Lord God. I pray, Father God, that you'll provide for them everything that they need. When they go back to their families, it won't be judgment. It won't be um, anything that will put them down, but they will be lights in those areas. There'll be lights in their schools. There'll be lights at their football teams and at their, their martial arts classes and whatever it is, Lord God. Give these people the strength and the power to be everything that you have called them to be. We trust in your name. We believe in your name and we pray in your name, Lord Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. 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 Yeah. Um, do you give yeah, I'll give Janelle the mic. Yeah. Cool. Thank you guys so much. I just wanted to leave you guys with a scripture on the back of that. That's um, in 1 Peter. Um, and it says, um, 1 Peter 1, 13. And it's titled, A Call to Holy Living. And I think it just really, on the back of what everything's been said about whether you decide that actually partying is for you or whether it's not for you, just remembering, yeah, the holy um, assignment that we have over us and what God wants us to do. So it basically just says, so think clearly and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into the old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you in, is holy, for the scripture says, you must be holy because I am holy. So yeah, just really like meditate on that. As again, I said, that's 1 Peter 1, 13. Um, and yeah, can we just give it up again for Femi and TJ?